I want to start a discussion with us, which will continue this coming Sunday, on the subject, disciplined youth. Disciplined youth. So basically, I want to give you some important instructions about the place of discipline in our lives. And please be reminded that instructions are vitally key in life. Instructions. Actually, life is constructed by instructions. Life is constructed by instructions. Instructions are the basis for life construction. Instructions are the basis for life construction. We are all constructed by instructions. That is why we are told, for example, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 13, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 13, to take hold or firm hold of instructions. The Bible says, take firm hold of instructions. Do not let them go because instructions are your life. The Bible speaking in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. For there will be a graceful ornament on your head. And chains about your neck. We are admonished here to get hold of instructions. It says, my son... Hear the instruction of your father. And I stand here as your father to give you instructions. And the Bible says you must give heed to instructions. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. Where the Bible says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. To the things we have held, lest we drift away. Please, we must not drift away from the things that we teach you Sunday in, Sunday out, in the youth church services. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, hear this. I want us to appreciate the context of the need for discipline in our lives. Let us contextualize the place of discipline in our lives. We know from the word of God that every individual connected to God is ordained for outstanding success. Every person connected to God, associated with God, is ordained for outstanding success in life. Now, in Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 32, Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 32, the Bible has this to say, but the people who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Exploits. When we talk of exploits, we are talking about outstanding accomplishments. The Bible says, they shall be above only and never beneath. They shall be heads and never tails. That's the kind of life that God has ordained for us. He has ordained us for outstanding success in life. Outstanding success. Somebody shout, I am ordained, I am ordained. For, outstanding for outstanding success. 
So please, we are here to generate exploits, outstanding results in life. <laughs> the master said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, Jesus is saying you've been called to stand out. You are ordained to stand out in life. You are ordained for mountaintop life. Mountaintop life. You are ordained for trailblazing results. Envy generating exploits. Best setting, standard setting outcomes. A city built, built on a hill cannot be hidden. I therefore decree any power of darkness trying to cover your greatness in life is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said that yoke is broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, I'm talking to you. Can I hear your loud shout of amen? I said, can I hear your loud shout of amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, the long and short of that verse is that we are ordained to shine. <laughs> we are ordained to shine. It says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, that word peculiar means people that stand out. Strange beings. Amazing people. That's what it means. Amazing people. We are an amazing generation. People will be saying, look, how come these people are getting results where we are failing to get results? These must be peculiar individuals. Says we are a peculiar people in Christ Jesus. Not because of our background, not because of our levels of education, but because of our association with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, I am ordained. For outstanding, success. for outstanding success. Actually, in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says that the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 19 to 21. Verse 19 to 21. In 19, it says the whole creation is awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. That the sons of God will come out of their hiding places to begin to make a difference for the benefit of creation. For the benefit of creation. The meaning is you are ordained to be a carrier of solutions. Somebody shout, I am a solution carrier. Say it again, I am a solution carrier. That is who you are. You are here to solve challenges of your generation. You carry in you an answer to a question that the world is asking. Otherwise, God wouldn't have brought you here. And therefore, as I have said times with that number, you are not a biological accident. You are not a creature of chance. You came around on purpose. You belong to a clearly defined plan in God. You came to answer a particular question that your generation has been asking. You came to address some things in your generation. And therefore vow that you're not going to disappoint your generation. You must vow that you are not the one to disappoint your generation. You did not come on earth to leave your generation the way you found it. No. You came to make definite positive changes to your generation. You came on earth for value addition and not just value consumption. You came for value addition, not just for value consumption. 
You did not come on earth to be a liability, but an asset to be celebrated. An asset to be celebrated. Somebody shout, I am an asset. Say it louder. I am an asset. That is true, my friend. Praise the name of Jesus. I said, praise the name of Jesus. Every one of you who give heed to these teachings and apply them, I'm telling you, you shall live to be celebrated. I'm talking to you. I said, you shall live to be celebrated. Hallelujah. However, these things that we are talking about here can never find expression without us meeting certain conditions. We cannot become what we are expounding and explaining here without us meeting some particular conditions. Success in life is conditioned on some parameters. <laughs> in other words, it never happens by chance. It never happens by accident. Success in life has conditions. And unless and until those conditions are satisfied, you can never smell success in any dimension of life. I'm talking about some conditions that have to be made. I want us to know that one of them is discipline. What is it, sir? Discipline. Success in any field is only possible when you lay hold of relevant principles and one of them is the principle of discipline. 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 Somebody shout discipline. So, what is discipline? I have defined discipline severally in this place over the years. But for today, let us work with the following definitions. Number one, discipline means subjecting oneself to given standards. Subjecting oneself to given standards. Subjecting oneself to given standards. Putting oneself under obligation to observe given standards. That's discipline, my friend. That's discipline. Subjecting oneself to given standards. Living a life that is subjected to given parameters, given standards. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27, Apostle Paul says, I put my body under subjection. Under subjection. So that after I have preached unto others, I myself may not be disqualified. I put my body under subjection, under subjection, under subjection. The Bible talks about Joshua in Joshua chapter 11 and verse 15. Joshua chapter 11 and verse number 15. Let's look at it quickly. The Bible says, as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Putting yourself under subjection. Boy, you are taking over from me. These are the standards. And what Joshua held, Joshua did. All that Joshua held, Joshua accomplished. He subjected himself to given standards. He subjected himself to given standards. God said to him, he said, boy, you shall observe all the law that I gave unto my servant Moses. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. 
Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. You cannot register outstanding success in life without the practice of discipline. Which by definition simply means subjecting oneself to given standards. Subjecting oneself to given standards. That is strict adherence to given standards. What is discipline? Number two. It means subjecting your will to the will of God. Subjecting your will to the will of God. Subjecting your will to the will of God. I mean, the master said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. <laughs> in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. The Bible says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. He's giving us here the picture of a soldier in a barracks. No soldier operates by his own independent rules and regulations. He is always subject to the will of the spirits. That centurion said unto Jesus, he said, Master, speak a word and my servant shall be healed home. You don't have to come under my roof. Just speak a word. Just speak a word. Just speak a word. Because I am a man, a soldier under authority with soldiers under me. I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And this is how I deal with my soldiers. I tell one, go, and he goes. Now, it doesn't matter what the will of that soldier is. His will, maybe, is not to go. But because the master has told him to go, he surrenders his will in order to embrace the will of his master. So when the master says, go, he goes, the Bible says, come. To another he says, come, and he comes. To another he says, do this, and he does it. That is how to live, and that is discipline. Surrendering your human will for divine will. You say, not my will, but your will, O oh Father. Your will must be done. Not my will, but your will, O oh Father. Praise the name of Jesus. So, to, to be disciplined means to live as commanded and not as convenient. The greatest enemy of discipline is convenience. The greatest enemy of discipline is convenient. A disciplined person does not do what he does because it is convenient, but because it is required. A disciplined person does not do what he does because it is convenient. It may not be convenient, but he goes ahead to do it. It is not convenient, it may not be convenient, but it goes ahead to do it because that is what has to be done. Discipline means to operate as commanded, not as convenient. Many things that you have to do in order to be an outstanding success in life will not be convenient. Will not be convenient will not be convenient. But discipline will mean that you put yourself under obligation to carry them out because it is outstanding success that you're looking for. Outstanding success. Please, I beg you, 
embrace the discipline of discipline. Embrace the discipline of what? Discipline. Embrace the virtue of discipline. Embrace the principle and the practice of discipline. What is discipline? Discipline means living a structured or orderly life. It has to do with observance of order. Observance of order. Discipline means to live a structured or orderly life. Observance of order. That is discipline. Observance of order. Observance of order. The meaning is you observe how everything that you have to do ought to be done. And you follow that order. There is an, an order. A structured way of entering into marriage. As expounded in the scriptures and as promoted in the house of God. So to live a disciplined life means that you follow the structured order. You follow the structured order. To live a structured or orderly life is what we call discipline. If you are going to please God at all, you must live an orderly life. What is discipline? Discipline means doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and at the required speed. Doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and at the required speed. You may be doing the right thing, but if you're not doing it at the required speed, you are not disciplined. You're not disciplined. What is discipline? Discipline means silencing the voice of the flesh in order to obey the voice of God. Silencing the voice of the flesh in order to obey the voice of God. Silencing the voice of the flesh. Subduing the voice of the flesh in order to obey the voice of God. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13 Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13 for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live so we are talking about putting the voice of the flesh to death in order for the voice of God to prevail in the guidance of your life. In the governance of your life. Ask your neighbor, is it making sense? It says, the life that I live is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. But Christ who lives in me. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Now, I have limited time, so let us move quickly here to look at drivers of discipline. Drivers of discipline. What are the things that are going to drive this life of discipline in you? I will show you a few things very quickly. Number one, decisiveness. 
decisiveness. Now, if you're going to live a disciplined life, you'll have to make a decision to live like that. Make a decision to live a disciplined life. Make a decision. It does not happen by chance. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. You see, you have to, to make that personal choice, personal decision to live a disciplined life. Daniel was in the company of his colleagues, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the Bible says, but this Daniel purposed in his heart. I don't care what my friends are thinking about this, but this is what I'm making up my mind to do. I will live a disciplined life. I will live a disciplined life. I will live a disciplined life. Hallelujah. It is time to live a disciplined life. It is time to live a disciplined life. A disciplined life. A disciplined life. Make up your mind. The question is, what is your decision? Make a decision for discipline. God can never make that decision for you. I can never make that decision for you. Your parents can never make that decision for you. It is your personal decision. You have to decide whether you're going to live a disciplined life or not. But Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. I gave you Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, the Bible is very clear. God speaking, he says, behold, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose. Life is about choices. Life is about choices. The choice you make today may build your tomorrow or scatter it. The choice you make today, the choices you make today may build your destiny or scatter your destiny. Be careful. Be careful. Decisiveness. Number two, do you want to live a disciplined life? You need vision. You need vision. You must be clear and focused about the direction of your life. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive will look like it. If you don't know where you're going, wherever you arrive will look like you have arrived. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. It says looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who having seen the joy set before him. He endured the cross despising the shame. And is today seated at the right hand. Of the father in heaven. He saw the joy. He had a vision. He had a vision. And by vision there. I don't necessarily mean some supernatural spectacular experience. Of seeing things in the realm of the spirit. I'm basically, primarily, talking about you forming a mental picture of where you want to be tomorrow. What do you want to achieve in life? Those of you that came up with your 20-year life development plan, that is what I'm talking about. Having some clear, focused direction in life. Clear, focused direction. Clear, focused direction. This is where I want to be five years from now, 15 years from now, 30 years from now. Your understanding of where you are going will help you to live a disciplined life. 
The Bible speaking in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, Proverbs 29 and verse 18, the Bible says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Other versions of the Bible, especially the King James Version, of that verse says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. And perish there does not just mean destruction or extinction. Perish signifies that people are disqualified from greatness, distinction, and excellence in life because they lack direction. Other versions say, where there is no vision, people become indisciplined. Because they have nothing to stand for. They have nothing to stand for. Ask your neighbor for me, what is your vision? Why are young people engaging in all kinds of practices? Smoking, drunkenness, drug addictions, casual sex, pornography. All those things that are molesting young people in our time are a product of lack of direction, lack of vision, lack of vision. Vision defines association. Vision defines direction. You cannot know the right associates unless you have the right vision for your life. I've never seen an eagle making friends with a chicken. If you see a, an ego behaving like that, just know that it is a visionless ego. It's a visionless ego. Now hear this. If you don't embrace discipline, and the Lord forbid, you will die a dwarf in life. You will die a dwarf, and the Lord forbid. It takes discipline to be distinguished. Joseph was disciplined. He told the wife of Potiphar, he said, there's no way I can sleep with you. I cannot have sex with you. No, it's not permitted. Why? Because at the age of 17, he had a vision. He had a vision. <laughs> In Genesis 37, verses 5 to 15. He had a series of dreams that made an imprint on his spirit to say, look, this is the direction that I'm going. I'm a leader. I'm not a useless boy in this house. I carry greatness inside of me. And that made him responsible. It made him responsible. It made him responsible. He said, I will handle myself responsibly. I will handle myself responsibly. Praise the name of Jesus. Ask your neighbor, what is your vision? Huh? Somebody is smoking, you want to smoke. Somebody is, is posting some nonsense on WhatsApp, you also want to participate. Shows that you have no direction. So many young people are victims of bad habits for lack of vision. Lack of vision. Number three, drivers of discipline. Number one, decisiveness. Number two, vision. Number three, consistency. Consistency. Hear this. If you love God today, 20 years from now, you should still be found loving God. That's consistency. Unfortunately, that is not the reality on the ground for so many people. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 11, Joshua chapter 6, chapter 14, sorry, Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 11, Joshua and Caleb are having a conversation. 
Caleb speaks to Joshua. He says, you remember the servant of the Lord Moses spoke to me some 45 years ago that I'm going to inherit the land into which I went to spy together with the others that gave the people a bad report. And because I wholly followed the Lord, while well, the rest melted at the sight of the giants, Moses gave me a son promise that I'm going to inherit this land. And then he says, in verses 10 to 11, he says, I am as strong today, 45 years down the line, as I was 45 years ago. I am as strong as I was. He was consistent. He was consistent. If you are living a holy life today, what am I saying to you? Continue living that holy life to the very end of your life. Very end, to the very end of your life. Your holiness is not just for now. Your being in church is not just for today. Continue being in the house of God for as long as you live. Is it making sense? Don't just come to church because your parents or your guardians, people that keep you, are coming to church. No! No, have a personal understanding of the place of being in the house of God as a Christian. A personal understanding. Consistency. Consistency of prayer. Consistency of holiness. Consistency of the fear of God. Consistency of, of application of the scriptures in your personal life. Consistency. Consistency of service to God. Consistency of diligence in what you do in life. Consistency. Consistency. Whatever good thing you are doing today, don't stop doing it. That is what we are saying. And that is what consistency is all about. You are living a holy life, continue living a holy life for the rest of your life. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. Now, number four, drivers of discipline. Number four is self-control. Self-control. Somebody shout self-control. Self Say it again, self-control. Second self Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. For we did not receive the spirit of fear, but we received the spirit of love. The spirit of power and the spirit of self-control. The spirit of self-control. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 to 23, among the nine segments of the fruit of the Spirit is the segment of self-control. Self-control. That is putting yourself in check. Self-control is the exercise of moderation. It has to do be with being sober. It has to do with being sober, not being drunk in your life undertakings. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant. To be sober means not to be drunk. Don't want something so badly that you want to cut corners getting it. You want to cut corners getting it. Just know that you are not sober. You are drunk. Because whoever is drunk usually loses control of himself. He can pass urine anywhere. He feels like passing the urine. Is you the only who will be ashamed? Ah, but you, you just be there doing his thing. 
Don't be a drunken Christian. Be sober. Be sober. In your pursuit of success, make sure you are sober. Don't be too pressured to want to get something so much that you cut corners trying to get it. Just know that you are no longer sober. You have become drunk. Self-control. The Bible says a man who lacks self-control is like a city without walls. Like a house without a fence. Drivers of discipline. Next is the fear of God. Or call it respect for God. The fear of God or respect for God. You see, why do we have some young people engaging in some of the most abominable practices in our time? It's because they have no respect for God. If you are going to live a disciplined life, you must embrace the fear of the Lord as a hallmark of your life. The hallmark of your life. Let it drive you. The fear of the Lord. Like, I mean, I gave you the example of, of Joseph in Genesis 39, verses 1 to 17. His conversation and interaction with Potiphar's wife. He says, I cannot do such a thing. Why? He said, why should I do such a thing and sin against God? Why should I do such a thing and sin against God? He was God conscious. When you talk of the fear of the Lord, we are talking about being conscious that he is watching you. Being God conscious. You are conscious of the fact that God is watching. People may not be around, but God is around because he is omnipresent. He is always available. Where can I go running away from your spirit? If I go to the deepest parts of the sea, you are there. If I go to the mountains, you are there. Where can I go running away from your spirit? Psalm 139. Verses 9 to 15. Verses 9 to 15. Now hear this. The fear of God is best demonstrated by our hatred of evil. The fear of God is best demonstrated by our hatred of evil. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13. Praise God. Okay, let me give you two more and then we'll call it a day in the interest of time. I've got so many things to share with you. Uh, like next week, we'll be looking at areas of discipline. I have 10 of them. And then benefits of discipline. So, let's look at the next driver of discipline here. It is called divine empowerment. Divine empowerment. Divine empowerment. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. And verse number 13, Philippians chapter 2, and verse number 13, the Bible says, going into 14, it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing it says god works in us both to will and to do if he does not work in you nothing is going to work out of you he must work in you work in you now look at this in philippians chapter 4 verse number 13 i can do all things through christ who strengthens me. 
I can do all things. So that's the basis of this driver, divine empowerment. Allow God to drive you. Allow his power to drive your life. You see, resolutions on their own don't work. And how many of us have made resolutions? All this time I will live a holy life. I will pray. You know, this is a powerful message. I will pray for three hours every day from now. After two weeks, you go back to square zero. Why? Because it's mechanical. But this time around, allow the Holy Spirit to empower your will. To empower your will. To empower. Because the Bible says it is God who works in us to will, to will. Your willingness must come as a result of the Spirit of God driving you to pursue that will. Is it making sense? Let the Spirit of God empower you to overcome forces that are rising against your discipline. Decisions cannot become actions without power. Decisions cannot become actions without power. Resolutions without empowerment will end in frustration. And that is why so many are giving up. They are saying, Pastor, I've tried. Yes, you've tried, but that was mechanical. Allow the Spirit of God now to take over. Allow the Spirit of God to take over. Ask your neighbor, would you allow the Spirit of God to take over? Praise the name of Jesus. I said, praise the name of Jesus. The Bible speaking in Ezekiel 36. <laughs> verse number 27. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. I will put my spirit, that is the Holy Spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Listen, it can't work unless God causes you to do it. I will put my spirit in you and I shall cause you to observe my word. To observe my instructions. I will cause you. I will cause you. That is the only way you can do my judgments. When I cause you. And that is. What we are talking about. The spirit of God. Empowering you. To exercise discipline. To exercise discipline. Jesus. The Bible says was. Tempted in all points, including the points where you are failing to make headways. Jesus was tempted in how many points? Or, 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 or. Talk of any temptation you will ever have in this life. Jesus was tempted in those dimensions, but he overcame. He was tempted on in all points and yet without sin. And yet without sin. And yet without sin. Tell your neighbor, make sure you don't sin. Make sure you don't sin. Make sure you don't sin. Hallelujah. Divine empowerment. Lastly, because of time, Accountability. I'm showing you drivers of discipline. The last one I want to show you is accountability. Be accountable. Place yourself under accountability. That is what we are saying. Always remind yourself to behave responsibly because you are accountable. You see, Several years back, without me saying anything, I noticed that my wife was always giving me an account of how she has used certain amounts of money in the home. 
she will be saying things like, I withdrew so much from the account, and this is how I have used it. She will write everything, including the change. So I said, no, it's not necessary, but she said, no, 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 look at it. Look at it. That's accountability. That's accountability. Hear this. In your life, you have several levels of accountability. In your life, you have and you will have several levels of accountability. At the highest level, you are accountable to God. Romans chapter 14, verse number 12. You are accountable to God. Somebody shout, I am accountable to God. I hope you can say that louder. I am accountable to God. The Bible says, Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. <laughs> so, that is the highest level of accountability. I am accountable to God. So, as your pastor, according to Romans chapter 13, verse 17, I will give account of every soul that has been entrusted to me to pastor. I'll give what? An account. That is why it says, obey those that rule over you as people that shall give account for they watch over your sorrows. So I must be careful how I deal with the people that God has given me to pastor because I'll give account. But at personal level, it says, each of us, how many of us? Each of us shall give account of himself to God. Be accountable. You want to be disciplined? Be accountable. You will naturally be disciplined. Because you know, one day you give account of yourself to God. Number two. You are accountable to the church. The ecclesia of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Accountable to God. Number one. Number two, accountable to the church. That is why in dispute Resolution, call it conflict resolution. Jesus admonished us as follows very quickly here. Matthew chapter 18. Reading from verse 15. Going down into 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Hear this. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. Tell the church that this brother offended me. I went to him, but he is adamant. He is refusing to accept that he wronged me. I invited these people to plead with him, but he is refusing. So he says, Now bring the matter to where? The church. Now, hear this. What will happen when you bring the matter to church? Now, he says, The church will talk to him, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector excommunicating from the church. 
How binding is that going to be in heaven? Next verse. Verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you, meaning the church, binds on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, if you agree as a church to say, this fellow must be bundled out of the church, that decision shall also be sealed and settled in the heavens of God. So, the church of God is not here for jokes. People think it is just, you know, one of those things after all. But I want you to know that you are accountable to the church. That is why the church is at liberty to summon you in case of misbehavior. To say, you can't do this. And you can't say, are you the one feeding, feeding me? You don't have the right to talk to me like that. You can't say that. Because if you're a member of a particular church, you bring yourself under the authority of that church. And so the church has the right to speak to you. Is it making sense? You are accountable to the church. Number three, you are accountable to your parents. You are accountable to your parents. So don't be a disgrace to your parents. And don't be adamant when your parents sit you down. Now, parents may not be biological. But whoever it is who acts as a father-mother figure upon your life must be respected. Must be respected. You don't say, after all, you're not my mom. No, it could be your uncle. Or it could be your elder brother, your elder sister, whoever they are, that are sitting you down. As a child or a sibling in the home, listen to them because they wish you well. They wish you well. In the workplace, you are accountable to your superiors. In the workplace, number four, you are accountable to your superiors. You are accountable to your superiors. So they also have the right to sit you down and talk to you. The meaning is, if you are in the workplace, observe the rules and practices of the place because of accountability. If you're a student, you are accountable to your teachers, stroke lecturers. They give you assignments, Rules and standards, everything must be observed. Assignments must be submitted in line with given deadlines. Follow the rules of your academic pursuits. That is what we are saying. You are accountable. Praise the Lord. So many things to talk about. May we rise on our feet. Our time is up. Hallelujah. Amen. How many have learned something here? Okay, lift your hands and bless the Lord, everyone. Be in prayer to appreciate him. Be in prayer to appreciate him. Father, we give you thanks. We celebrate, exalt, and magnify your holy name. Celebrate him, everyone. Celebrate him. Let's give thanks to God. Lift those hands and bless the Lord. Thank you, Father, for this service. Thank you for the anointing, for the grace. Thank you, Father, for the ability to hear your word and to be in your presence. In Jesus' precious name, we are praying. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. I said, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over your souls. In the mighty name of Jesus. I decree the grace to be a disciplined youth has landed your way in the name of Jesus. Uh, the grace to manifest greatness in your life has been released in your direction in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, everywhere you go, you shall be associated with greatness. Uh, I say you'll be associated with greatness. Uh, 
if I'm speaking to you, let me hear a better amen. I say a better amen. Excellence is your portion. Distinction is your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. Those that were looking down upon you, they shall begin to look up to you in the name of Jesus. Those that thought that you will never celebrate this year, they shall call you to celebrate with a testimony with you in the name of Jesus. This week you are holding your testimony. I say you are holding your testimony of promotion. You are holding your testimony of breakthrough. You are holding your testimony of a new job. You are holding your testimony of a scholarship. You are holding your testimony of a marital breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Slap somebody. Tell them you are blessed comprehensively. I said slap somebody. Tell them you are blessed comprehensively. Hallelujah. In PICC, we close with a declaration, Psalm 23 and verse number 6. And the way we say it in the youth church is not the way it's done in, in, in the main church. Uh, this is not the Madara's church. Huh? Uh-huh, if you allow me to use that phrase. So let's say it with some vigor, some stamina, with some glory in our, emanating from our bones. Uh, Psalm 23 and verse number 6. Uh, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You are blessed. God bless you.